This is Chelsea Schaefer, and this is season four of The Score. You all have listened to this podcast three quarters of a million times, and we are here in season four to bring you even more of what you love. Hey everyone, welcome to season four of The Score. Four years ago when I started this podcast with a microphone and my cell phone, which is for the most part what I still use, my whole thought was that I spend my day having phone conversations that I really wish the rest of the Team Roping universe could hear, for the most part, anyways. So over the years, we've gotten a little bit more formal with our interviews, and I'm kind of ready for a change. This year, you can still count on interviews, of course, but we're going to cover some deeper topics and things will be a little bit less formal. I'm going to let you take a listen to the actual phone calls I make throughout the week working on the magazine. And while it's still not the crystal clear audio that some other podcasts offer, these phone calls are a glimpse into the honest-to-God thoughts of some of the best in the business and the everyday roper. I think you're really going to like this change. I'm pretty excited about it. So to kick off the new season, we're going to have a three-part series on the Rope Horse Market's outlook for 2021. If one good thing came out of 2020, it was the big numbers at horse sales across the country and the continued uptick in the price of a good horse. So I'm going to start this episode with a conversation I had with Trevor Brazil, who undoubtedly makes and sells some of the best horses in the country. But that's not the only reason I'm going to start with Trevor. He's truly one of the smartest people I know when it comes to business and life, and I'm really lucky he doesn't always listen to my podcast, so he probably will miss that compliment completely, and I won't have to deal with him and his laughter at my fawning over him. (laughs) But I didn't just talk to Trevor. Each conversation I had for this series kind of led me down a rabbit hole, and I thought of other people I wanted to talk to as a result. So in this episode, we'll move from Trevor to Steve Friskup, who heads up Premier Horse Sales and is the horse industry's master auctioneer. And then from Steve, I called Jan Parker at Billings Livestock, who herself has 23 years in the horse sale business and many before that buying and selling herself. And she serves a really diverse clientele. So then we'll round out this show with Mark Smith, who's the father of Clay, Jake, and Britt Smith, who buys and sells dozens and dozens of rope horses every year. He's based in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, and he's really got his finger on the pulse of the day-to-day recreational roper, and then he's also tied into the elite open ropers, given that his sons are all three that. So, now... A little note as you get ready to listen to this episode, of course, with COVID, we're working from home, and that seemed like a great time for me to get a puppy. I didn't take into account that even to my best attempts to keep her outside, she'd then be barking at the Amazon driver while I was doing interviews. So there's a chance in some of these episodes, some of these interviews, you might hear a tiny little yapping in the background. Hang with me. It does not go on for the whole episodes only just there for when my Amazon driver who visits me multiple times a day because I stay home most of the time and and overuse Amazon Prime, he he pulls in and she has to tell him that he's not allowed on the porch. So you'll hear her. That's on me. Please forgive me. Promise it doesn't last long when she does it. This episode is brought to you by the Cinch Timed Event Championship. This year running from Thursday, March 11th to Saturday, March 13th. The event pays out a $100,000 check to the Handiest Cowboy Cross 5 events 
over five rounds. You'll get to see guys like Russell Cardoza, Paul David and Jess Tierney, Eric Rogers, Clay Smith, Taylor Santos, Daniel Green, and so many others duke it out in the heading, healing, tie-down roping, steer wrestling, and steer roping. And you'll watch it all at the world-famous Lazy E Arena in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And this year, the Cinch Time event is partnering with BFI Week to host the Ultimate Roper Showdown. Less than 24 hours after crowning the Cinch Timed Event champs, you'll get to see the best ropers in the game go head-to-head -head over the BFI's long score and strong cattle at the event's new home in Guthrie. You won't want to miss it. Get your tickets at LazyETEC.com, and we will see you in Guthrie. What's up? Nothing. What are you doing? Oh. Well, I watched that video you sent me, and so I've been going to rehab because it made my neck and shoulders sore. <laughs> what video? What did I say? Oh, from your bucking. Wow. Yeah. I forgot. That was funny. I don't. I was going to. I don't you know. can't do anything anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, it stays on the web. I know. Well, I mean, when you call me, it's still a selfie you took on my phone. Like oh my from you took like the first time I met you. You we oh. were like I met you earlier in the day, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" Because you sent me like a. As soon as Bob gave you my number, you text me Chelsea Spin. And I was like, excuse me, what? And then you were like, oh, sorry, I was just trying to save your number in my phone. I'm like, oh, this who's this clown? Like, Why do you have to use that tone when you're talking lightly? <laughs> <laughs> and then you, um, then, uh, it, then, like, later that night, we were at the, like, gold buck, whatever your party used to be at the MGM, like, Anyway, oh, yeah. and you, I was like, hey, can you take a picture of the band with my phone? And you were like, sure. And you gave me back a selfie. <laughs> that's what you did. <laughs> and that's still what pops up <laughs> when you call. That's really <laughs> it's, it's It's very flattering. It's a very flattering picture yeah, of you. <laughs> I'm sure it is. My selfies always are. <laughs> that's why I don't take selfies. <laughs> oh, well, are you on your way to rehab or what are you doing? No, I did that this morning. We, uh, I'm headed to the vet to pick up a horse real quick. I gotcha. Well, do you have time? So one thing, I'm doing a podcast on the horse market for 2021, like what you guys expect. Do you have time to answer some questions? Sure. Like what are you, what are you expecting for this year? Like what, what did you learn last year and what are you expecting for this year? From just the horse market in general? Yeah, like for, from the from the head and heel horse market first, I guess. And then we, I want to talk about the breakaway horse market too. But as far as, and, and you might be an outlier. I mean, I'm going to talk to Friskup and Jan Parker and like people who are selling to the general public maybe more so than you do. But have you, have you seen any possible trends that you're expecting or is there anything? Are you worried well, about the horse market? What are you thinking? I'm not worried about the horse market. The horse market is as strong was as strong in 2020 as it's been ever, I think. But I can't talk about head horse, heel horse market without talking about just general horse sales because I have to buy horses, you know, yeah. from those other disciplines, which are exploding. And ultimately it has to be passed through to the, you know, the other markets, the rope horse markets and everything like that, because 
uh, prospects are costing more money. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, for people to be paid anything for their time, it has to be passed through because they're not, you know, you know they're not buying prospects for as cheap as they were, you know, the last three to five years. You know, stuff yeah. has just been escalating. But I do. I don't feel like it's passed through to the team roping, heading and healing market as fast as it's being passed through to people that are buying them out of the reining horse or cutting horse sales. Is that just because people? So I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna have to catch up at some point. Yeah. Is that because people ropers just aren't as used to paying? Like they're. What do you think? Why hasn't it? Well, I mean, they're used. They're used to a certain. You know average price of a horse but what they got to realize is that average price is getting passed through earlier you know it's 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 escalating from the previous buyers or the trainers so it has to it has to come out somewhere or nobody's going to be training horses mm-hmm. i mean my hope is that it does uh come through fast enough to not discourage trainers to go to other disciplines mm-hmm. you know so, so if guys were making team roping horses that were handy enough to make other types of horses, I hope that they are getting paid for their time in our industry so that the quality of horses in our industry don't go down. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. What um, are people starting to what – are, what are your buyers or what are people that are buying horses from you? Does Has pedigree or – bloodlines or anything come into play in in any conversations that you've had with customers? I mean, at the end of the day, if you're selling a finished horse, Mm -hmm. they're judged on performance first and foremost and pedigree second. Now, if you're selling potential or selling young horses, Mm -hmm. it's 50-50, you know, and depending on how much the horse or how far along that horse is, is kind of fake, you know, overrides mm-hmm. the pedigree in my opinion yeah Has but it means everything when you're buying prospects i mean that and how they move is what i look at because that's all i have to go on at that time mm-hmm. and you've got you've been buying like what tell me about the prospects that you've been buying lately what have you been looking at and, and what what kind of prospects do you have coming for the next year well, we've actually the horses have been so expensive you know whether, whether it be sales or private treaty for three and four year olds. And even when you buy horses like that, it never fails. You have to get them over certain things or certain vices. And so we went and started getting younger horses, you know, two year olds and starting from the ground up for two reasons, because if we were going to have to fix something, we might as well, you know, Mm-hmm. Not have to pay for, not have to pay for it, but it just puts us a year behind at least as far as you know the time it takes to make a good horse or a good prospect. Mm-hmm. And so, miles are do all your two year olds go straight to miles? Yes. Yeah. I mean, in the past, I've split them up because I've had like last year was an exception because we had. Uh, 11 two-year-olds at one time and just one guy couldn't get flooded with that but so but moving forward yeah I, I pretty much keep them with just miles and he's putting 
like a ranching foundation. Like we, we've talked about it before where, you know, you don't like a cutters or cutters have things for cutters and, and cow horses have things for cow horses. You are very much looking for team roping horses. So they are all going to, like what kind of foundation do you want on one of those prospects? Well, they'll have a little bit of everything. I mm -hmm. mean, they'll get exposed to a cow as early as cutters will probably, you know, but it won't be just in one spot in front of them. And I think what they'll be exposed to following cattle and sorting cattle, not just sorting, you know, before they ever follow so that it takes everybody deals with those cutting horses. A lot of them will have too much cow and it's some things, sometimes they never get over, mm -hmm. you know, being too cowy in the corner and it making too many moves and it's that's things like that are stuff that we don't see once they come through uh our program yeah now you guys have one in the horse sale at rancho rio right yes and tell me about that horse he's a seven-year-old horse just a big stout pretty gilded the kind that uh bother us at all if we have to no sell him because he's one you hate to see go he, he's just so good at every aspect of it whether you put a kid or us on him mm -hmm. he's just a fun horse very seldom to people people will talk about broke horses but they really don't ever get on a horse by like the one that's going out there mm -hmm. and i don't know i don't remember you having one available to the public like this at a horse sale before? This is the first time I've ever put one in a sale. That's what I thought. And first time, but really and truly, like, I didn't want to go ever. I mean, if you went to those, or you would assume you've seen horses like this because they all read them. Mm -hmm. This is the only one I've had that I truly feel like fits and tell to the T because he can, this horse actually, I mean, they're not, they're not cheap, nor should they be because of the time it takes to get them to this point. Mm -hmm. And a lot of horses that we get to this, they just aren't for everybody because they've got, two, they've just got a little bit too much edge to them to be called, you know, gentle. Mm -hmm. And uh, this horse would be called Captain just kind of a pretty rare horse. Yeah, and, and the sales have been just so strong. I don't know, like, what... And I'd be lying if I didn't say that wasn't my motivation for putting him in out there mm -hmm. because they're actually getting paid for the great horses. I still I feel like they're all pretty strong, but I feel like the, what they call the unicorns are so hard. They are getting paid for that because I think everybody asked for the same horse, but the, when the orders get filled, there's just so few of those type of horses. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. And is that horse, what is on that horse's papers? Do you know? Is, is, it any, is there anything on the papers to brag about, or is it just he's the horse? Man, that's a great question. I haven't put the horse's papers in so long um, I'll have to get back to you on 
part <laughs> you're of good. it. You're good. You're permitted. Things that, you know, if, if he was a prospect, I could tell you in a heartbeat because that's one of those times in their a horse's career where they have outgrown their pedigree to mm-hmm. where it, it, it will not matter. Like, it's one of those when I, I don't care who buys the horse when they get him home, they're going to be like me. They just, they just haven't had a horse like that, and they they will not care. Mm-hmm. But he does have a good set of papers. But <laughs> I, I've seen them too. But, I don't uh, remember. He's actually, he's actually, you know, surpassed whatever that pedigree says. Once people are around him and see what he can do, it, it doesn't matter. And uh, you and I, we politics. Do you think politics will catch up, or the horse market will? adjust with the shift in politics you can plead the fifth on this but i mean i'm i I have a hard time kind of getting your question now that we're going to be socialist do you think everybody's going to get a good horse now yes now that we are um going into socialism and the economy is going to shift dramatically not (laughs) cover the love Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, but like t- think, the tax. I think everybody's going to get a great breakaway horse when they send you the next stimulus check. <laughs> no, w- when the tax burden is adjusted or different than it has been for the last four years, do you think people will be looking to like? Do you think they'll? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts or concerns or anything? Like, well, I mean, I really think it'll be harder to buy great horses mm-hmm. because I mean just depending on what stage of that horse you're in. I mean, if it's capital gains or if it's just straight prop, I mean, depending on how, how everything's taxed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if it's as high as they're saying, I mean, if I would have taken a hundred thousand for a horse, what would it take now? Because knowing that it, that's going to get cut into half yeah. or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's still to be seen. I guess. Yeah. But, I guess we'll learn. We'll learn come to I would think, I would think, you know, most people that usually just get antsy and worried about stuff like that sell stuff, but when you're not getting to put that in the bank or mm-hmm. into something else, it, it may change their uh, aggression on selling some of that stuff because it doesn't seem to get to take home as much anyway, so you might as well have what you have. Yeah, I gotcha. I think I've had a lot of like local ropers just kind of approach me and ask like, "What do I think is going to happen?" And it's like, "Gosh, I don't, I don't know." But um, so far, so good. <laughs> I think at this point, at this point. But I don't. I mean, I think I, I think it's way early to say so far so good because nothing's really happened. Yeah, exactly. And I don't, and I really don't know enough about it to know when those policies go in. How long before they really take effect? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be like the 2022 tax year, you know, probably. I, I, yeah. But I don't, I also am not super well versed in tax policy. So. But to answer your earlier question, I only had one horse age out of the futurity. So everything that I futurity last year will be eligible this year with the exception of one horse. So Was Warwagon the one that aged out? No. No. No, Warwagon was only five. No. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, well. War Wagon was five, Firecracker was four, uh, Little Mare we call Lady was four, um, Yellowstone will be six this year, so he'll still be eligible. Um, 
Concho. Oh, actually, the heel horse aged out, mm-hmm. as did Scotch, the buckskin head horse. Gotcha. And the are you keeping any older horses for you to go to the BFI on and stuff like that, or are you going to be show, like on younger horses at the BFI? Uh, if my maturity horses are where they need to be, mm-hmm. they should be way good enough to go do that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried about that part of it. What about um, any of the, any of those three that I mentioned? Mm-hmm. I would ride at the BFI in a heartbeat. Yeah, because Miles did ride War Wagon at the BFI. Yeah, he wore War, War, War Wagon last year. Yeah, gotcha. And is Firecracker going to the barrels, or has that? Um, what's going on there? Well, the barrel racer would have to come down to the barn for him to get to go to the barrels. So. I told you I'm recording this, right? You, you're aware. I'm just telling you. All I can do, all I can do, is tell the people the truth. Okay. Okay. So, so, so far, Firecracker is a head horse. Firecracker shows real potential in the barrel racing every time she comes down there. But I just don't know. I think I don't know if she's more worried about him actually getting ready to go and her not want to go anywhere or <laughs> what the deal. See, I thought you were going to say that you have firsthand knowledge of how Firecracker performs in the barrel racing because you've messed around with it just for fun. No, I really haven't, but I have got to see her go, mm-hmm. and uh, she just does a really good job of patterning them, and mm-hmm. uh, so she's she started several really good for and uh, this one could be, like I say, could be great. I don't know if part of it. The head horse market is strong enough, that, and he was so far along in that. Mm-hmm. If that discouraged her any at all, because knowing that he was already worth picks, why would I, you know, start yeah. with that? I, I don't know. She's said that a little bit, but I, she's told me before that you guys don't share well. That like you, that it honestly doesn't really work with the buttons that you put in them. And then how much like less rate she wants in her style of barrel horse that there's just too yeah, much rate. Heaven, heaven forbid a barrel <laughs> horse would drag his ass and spin around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, I mean, maybe she and I just talked about that sitting on the fence watching you ride Firecracker as a three-year-old. So I don't know if she was yeah. judging you. No, and point. it has because, because um, I think... It makes for smoother corners when you can pull hard and it not be so mm-hmm. uh, so easy to control them because that kind of makes it a little bit more mechanical looking maybe mm-hmm. to where any any error with your hand shows in the in the run. I don't know, but uh, I mean, I do I do think there's some truth to that, mm-hmm. and I can see that happening. But I still think you got to get far enough along to decide this is the direction he needs to go because when you add speed over and over, some of that will dull itself anyway. So I, I feel like there's a bigger problem not having it in there to begin with because once you go fast and do that and figure out you don't have enough, once once that's happened, I think it's too late to go put those buttons and, yeah. and the soft feel into them. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I, I, I certainly never made that FR though, so my opinions on the barrel racing are pale in comparison to your wife's, who's super, super handy. So I will, I will default to Shada's uh, knowledge of the barrel racing. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> 
All right. Well, you, are you at the vet? You're free to go. You are. Yep. All right. All right. Tell Josh I said hi. <laughs> Talk to you later. I will. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Steve Friskup of Premier Horse Sales is the industry's top auctioneer, and this year he sold horses higher than ever before in his career. He'll sell the horse sale at Rancho Rio and Wickenburg this March, and he's my go-to when I need a big-picture overview of the horses at work in the industry. I called him last Monday, and we spent some real time visiting about the market. Here are his thoughts on how the market is going to fare in 2021 and what forces are driving the growth we've seen. Hi, Steve. How are you? The best you ever seen. How are you? Well, that's wonderful to hear. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm making it. Per- ready for 2021. They, I saw that thing. I think on Facebook that said, like, nobody say that this is going to be your best year ever. Like, don't start, startle 2021. Everybody move quietly. Let's not scare it. But <laughs> I, I really need this to be the, a better year than 2020. I really do. <laughs> Well, it's going to be, will you just give this, it's going to, it's going to shake out and be okay. I am, I, I will take your word for it. I think you've. Well, everybody's <laughs> sick of COVID yep. and everybody's sick of the game and we're kind of sick of all of it. Yep. So, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, what can I do for you, Chelsea? Well, I'm recording a podcast. I want to start 2021 off on the right foot, talking about something that's so awesome that's going on, and that's the horse market and how phenomenal it has been. And I, I mean, but maybe you're going to tell me that it's not going to be phenomenal. <laughs> but um, I want your your honest take on, on what's been going on in the market this year that we've seen so many high sellers and, and so much explosion and growth. And, and what you think is going to go on in the market for the next year? What are your thoughts? No, I'll tell you what, Chelsea, this, uh, this last year, really the last two years and even three leading up to all of this has, has just been a phenomenal movement. And I think there's, there's several things that attribute to it. Just uh, the other day, uh, I had the privilege of selling a two-year-old filly by Woody B. Tough at the NCHA Securities two-year-old sale for a million fifty thousand. Yeah, that was unbelievable. That highest ever sold at the NCHA, probably the highest performance horse ever at auction. But and and but it's it's not just that you know it's we hear of uh, riding gildings bringing two fifty two sixty. Uh, lots of them nowadays, 100, 150 team roping horses, uh, 100,000 is not uncommon anymore. And, and 25 is the old 10, you know. And mm-hmm. so uh, we've seen this uptick. And I actually think that, that the, the 2020 fiascos kind of fed into the mix a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things we've begun to see over the past few years here is a is a remigration back to the western way of life mm-hmm. that's a worldwide phenomenon everybody has an attraction or an allurement to uh, the western way of life and so when you come you know you, you keep inching towards the place where everybody needs a hero everybody needs the, the knight in shining armor 
everybody's trying to figure out what life's all about because it just has been so disastrous and so negative in certain parts of the world and then your news media and all your politics and all that stuff. The, you know, and, and to back up just a little bit, uh, and since 2016, we've had a tremendous upswing in the markets and everything. So there's been some some money made, you know, people who had money made more money and people didn't even have money made some money. And so uh, we saw that happen. But we've seen this allurement to the Western way of life. And so now the horse has become a quality of life issue. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a blue book on that. Yeah, we don't have a set market, so it's made for the auction way of marketing. The competitive bidding uh, has has caused a tremendous uptick in the value of a nice riding horse, a trail riding horse, a pretty gentle gilding, or even the potential of a two year old to win the NCHA fraternity has has drawn people's attention. And some of them have the means to do whatever they want to do. When you'll give a hundred thousand for a new suburban, mm-hmm. when every Tom, Dick, and Harry in town can have one just like yours, when it comes time to buy a horse, and you're 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 capable of paying for what you want, that that horse is an individual. Nobody's going to make another one of those. Yep. That, that one's the one. You bought the original. And so with all that allurement to the Western way of life, with the the, the, the balance of economics, you know, the, the uh, commodity versus demand, uh, we don't have an overabundance of really nice horses. They're pretty hard to get. And so uh, the competitive bidding process has as, as created quite a market. And... Uh, and I think it's something really neat. And then get back to the hero thing. You look at the Western way of life. We're the only ones that came out the other side of COVID. Mm-hmm. We're the only ones that stuck our toe in the water and said, we're going to do this anyhow. So we've been rodeoing all summer. And we've been team roping all summer. And they've been cutting all summer, all fall. And we had the NRCHA fraternity. We had the NCHA fraternity. They had every barrel race. They had the national finals. And we had the team roping finals back in September at Fort Worth. And uh, and so the Western way of life said, we don't know how to shut down. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going to rise up and do this. And if we have to adhere to some protocols and different things, well, you, you look, that, that catches the attention of a lot of people mm-hmm. who are, are looking to come out of the cave who want, who want to live mm-hmm. and that's the man I want to give me a cowboy hat and a horse <laughs> and I want to live like them people mm-hmm. and everybody that's a horse lover knows that if you smell horse hair and it suits you you never get over it that's the truth yeah you never get over it. It's it's the most addicting thing there is on the planet, <laughs> and uh, and so you just want to ride your horse and have a horse, and pretty soon, what's a hundred thousand? Mm-hmm. All the toys at your place cost a hundred thousand. Ain't none of them as nice to you as that horse. <laughs> so, I think there's just a lot going on here, 
and uh, and I'm just tickled to death to be a part of it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. You've certainly been a huge part of it. I I know when uh, during the finals they sold that gelding at the diamonds in the desert sale or, or whatever it was for uh -huh. for two hundred and sixty thousand. And I had text I text the video of the sale to Trevor, who we we also have on this podcast for for his thoughts on the market, but. Um, I text that video to Trevor, and he didn't watch it. I, and then he called me, and he said, "Hey, I didn't watch that video yet, but it surely it wasn't like a sorrel gelding." And I said, "No, it was a sorrel gelding for two hundred and sixty thousand yeah. dollars." Like he said it jokingly, like assuming it was a buckskin or or something. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter. It seems like they're they're going like crazy. Oh when God. they when and I'll tell you what. Here's the other side of it too. We we've created a better product than we used to do. Mm-hmm. And I've told people for years, you want to get more money for your horse, bring a better horse. Mm -hmm. And we've done it. Mm -hmm. We've through all these different venues and these specialty sales have created such a big demand. And I tell you, we've got a group of people out there, young people that that are they're young to me, that are just doing a phenomenal job of first finding a good sound, sound-minded, sound wind limb, all that. And in creating this horse through training techniques that, that we didn't used to use, a horse that'll rope or ride through the river or let you shoot a gun or crack a whip or and carry your dog. And and we're just, or the, even like at the cutting fraternity the other day. Man, alive, that was a great set of horses at the sale. Then when you walked across to the Will Rogers and you watched the, the security finals and, and the semifinals, man, what a great set of horses. Mm -hmm. just, people are doing a better job than we used to do and, and not nothing against those that, that went before, but that's the whole idea that the next batch would supersede what you've done. Mm -hmm. And we're just doing a good job and at these local or these regional consignment sales man there's a lot of nice horses and a lot of nice team roping horses you can go to a team roping nowadays and, and just almost walk around there blindfolded and you couldn't help but put your hand on a nice horse mm -hmm. there's a lot of nice horses and and uh these and that makes them very enjoyable and again it's quality of life and how do you put a value on that yeah and i think you know, the prospects, that what Trevor and I discussed, he said he's having to spend twice, three times more than yep. he ever did on prospects as well. Like, you know, the, the rope horse prospects, he says he's hoping that the that the market catches up soon for how much they're having to spend on prospects because they're having to buy where they would go buy a four-year-old that had had a really nice start. They're having to go buy two-year-olds and start them themselves and put so much more time into them. How have, have the prospects been just as strong at all of your sales? At, oh, at, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even our yearling market at our, at our horse sale in Leveland mm -hmm. in November is kind of a big time for yearlings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where, where you could buy a yearling for a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand. And I think now they, they, uh, the top half of them or something average close to nine thousand or something. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's second and third tier horses. That's, that's not your final one. And at the NCAA, we had a lot of yearlings. We broke every record this year down there. Mm -hmm. Highest seller, highest average, highest percentage sold. Um, and the NRCHA, the snapper bit, was the same way. 
so uh, the prospects, yeah, they're they're uh, they're in high demand. And, if, and uh, go ahead. It, well, as far as prospects go, have you had to? Uh, now, I would never accuse you of not no, being in the know on everything that you possibly need to know when you're talking about these horses, but with rope horses even, you've got to be talking about incentives that, because the pink buckle and the ruby buckle now have breakaway horses. The the royal crown is going to have a heading and healing faturity and a breakaway faturity. How are the incentives affecting this whole thing? Where, where do you well, they, they affect it a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and the incentives are a good thing because it, it gives... It gives people one more reason to, to buy that horse. Mm-hmm. We've been doing it there out of our Clover sale at Leveland. We've been doing that for a long time. Like we have a three-year-old fraternity. This year was about a $30,000 fraternity. And then uh, now we've added a four-year-old team roping fraternity to it. And that adds to the price of those yearlings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to buy a yearling to be eligible to participate. And so all these incentives and these added events um, – yeah, they add to the value. But what's really cool is the is the number of people that want to come participate. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at the team roping fraternity during the snaffle bit in October at Fort Worth, I just I was there doing the sales and I was over watching the roping and hanging out. You can't believe the number of people that just walk up and say, "Hey, I'm fixing to get me one for this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start doing this." Or guys that used to just be little two-year-old horse trainers around our neck of the woods out of here. And next thing you know, they're winning the the limited amateur, limited non-pro at the snaffle bit or something, and they're all showing and doing it. And uh, people want to participate. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. It's a heck of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It seems, I know the, the owner of the, the one Dakota Kirkenschlager won the heading on, They, you know, he had never had a show horse before. It was just, he bought a colt, thought it might be cool for the fraternity, rode it for a while, and gave it to Dakota to show, and, like, you know, his wildest dreams came true with the horse deal. Oh. It's, it's crazy that those stories make it, make everybody want to to be a part of it and, and test their skills, it seems like. I almost cried when Dakota run that steer. I know it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a phenomenal horse, and uh, but that whole arena full of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of nice horses, and people just enjoy watching a nice, a nice horse. So, so think about this, Chelsea. If you if you knew that a society you you talked about twenty twenty, and we can't wait to get it in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. But the whole world's been upside down now for over twelve months. And trying to find its way. And if you were ever going to try to find your way, and the only way would be back to the creator of the universe, who'd get you back there faster than a horse? <laughs> that's Nobody. the truth. That's the, that's the truth. That's the word. Yes, sir. That's yeah, the word. That's the truth. And so mm-hmm. the preacher side of me always comes out in all this because... <laughs> I think I think the horse may just be the salvation of America here, mm-hmm. uh, just bringing us back to a Western way of life and and things that are real mm-hmm. and yeah, we all need it and and uh, we did it at our own house. Mm-hmm. We had kind of thought we were too old to do some stuff and 
COVID came, and next thing you know, we got horses standing around, and we're building new arenas, and we're out somewhere <laughs> to go. Yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. Now, yeah. uh, where do – we've talked about this before with different articles, but where are fillies and, and mares fitting into the mix and the sales? You know, they're finding their spot. We, uh, we were at a sale this fall uh, where I, I'm sure other people have done, but just just a, just a straight riding mare. Uh, not not much brood mare potential really. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a riding mare, and we sold her for a hundred thousand. And uh, that was the first one of them that I've done that I know of. And and we're seeing these fillies now, uh, just because of demand. There's a lot of people buying fillies, and there's a lot of people riding mares. And of course, the the NFR guys and the top horse show guys have been doing that for decades but yeah the average joe blow out here is figuring out that hey there's a lot of a lot of pleasure in owning a nice mare too so mm-hmm. yeah yeah and now are breeders responding do you think there there are enough slowly mm-hmm. slowly that part hasn't caught up quite as fast mm-hmm. because i believe because that's the part that's the most work it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <It is. laughs> we're 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 dragging along just a little bit there, but it's you can see it happening. Mm-hmm. It's just a little, slower, a little slower. Yeah, it seems like yeah. the the great old programs, the Myers, the Pitzers, you know, there are yeah. those programs are are just chugging along, doing phenomenal things. But it's the I I don't know if the everyday roper yet is is ready to breed their mare. I hope so. We we have our breeder's guide in March that I'm real proud of where we feature all the studs. And um, it it still seems like the ropers, they know it costs money to have a brood mare, and brood mares eat a lot and and that. So I hope hope that part catches up soon. And one one of the deals that's different now than it was 50 years ago when when, when those ranches you talked about Mm – that were already established, and and then your breeders and your fifty-year breeders that the AQHA recognizes. One of the things that's necessary is real estate. Mm-hmm. You've got to have some real estate, and we're coming out to where you're seeing the Western world's a little more urbanized. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people. I mean, my wife and I are one of them. We don't have a big ranch and. Don't want one, then we, we, you know, if we decide we're going to go show one, we'll go buy a yearling or a two year old and uh, pay the price. And so, because we're just not set up for it. And I think there's a lot of people that way that just aren't set up for it. Now, if this keeps going, you, you'll see some cow calf guys begin to integrate the equine thing back into their programs like they used to. Mm-hmm. It'll be lucrative for them to do it, and they're already set up. They have the real estate. Yeah. And so that's just kind of my take. I mean, there's a lot of backyard breeders too that have one or two mares, and that's what they want to do. And and it's really easy now. You can, you know, you take her to the vet and AI, or you know, or, or drop her off someplace, and, and every, everything's done for you. And so it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Steve. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, ma'am. You're probably, yes, I feel like you're the busiest man in America these days. I mean, maybe you used to be, but not. there wasn't much, as much celebrity at those horse sales back in the day. Now you're you're the busiest, <laughs> most in-demand man in the Western oh, world. I don't know. Like. <laughs> COVID has got us some downtime. Yeah. You know, all our stock show sales are, mm-hmm. Fort Worth is off, San Antonio's off. I'm going to go to the Black Hills um, stock show and rodeo in Bradford City mm-hmm. end of February. But so, yeah, we're kind of here for a minute. We're going to go rope. Awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, what we like I'm to hear. I'm really excited about it. I hate to just tell everybody that, but I'm going to go rope for a while. Man, that keeps <laughs> us in business too. So I'm real <laughs> grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go share the wealth a little later. Are you going to? Are you gonna go to Arizona and get to the warm, or what? What's your plan? We, we will. We will right before Ty's sale. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna go for about a week. Man, we, we were actually gonna go for a long time, mm-hmm. and then off Mapping City, and uh, thank God we got a job here because I didn't have anything really going on in February and March or, mm-hmm. or in January and February mm-hmm. with stocks go shutting down. So. Uh, yeah, we thought, well, we'll just go to Arizona and rope. And, and uh, then they called. So we'll go out there. We'll go out there at the end of February and rope a little and work a little and, mm-hmm. and get back home and get busy from now till this time next year. That's awesome. Yeah, tie sale is going to be awesome. I just got some a few sneak peeks of some of the horses that are getting ready to be in it. And yeah. wow. Like, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be great. It'll be cool. Yeah, yeah really good. All right, Steve. Well, thank uh, you so much. You have fun roping. Okay, Chelsea. Always good to talk to you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, hope you're all enjoying this episode. I want to remind you about something that we've got going on, and it's called the Breeder's Guide. It's the 2021 edition. It is our second go at this deal. We're so proud of this project. It's really helping to grow the rope horse breeding side of the industry, something we are very passionate about, something we really believe in, supporting the breeders, the people who are putting the money into handling the supply and demand problem that we're talking about in these episodes. So check it out, teamropingjournal.com. You can get more information there about the Breeders' Guide. You can check out last year's Breeders' Guide. And if you're interested, you can email Nick Griggs, N-G-R-I-G-G-S, A-I-M-M-E-D-I-A.com. This number is 806-622-2225. And you can give him a call and he'll get you in the Breeders' Guide. And if you have any questions, I'm sure you all know how to reach me some way. Check out my email at cshafer at amedia.com. Find me on Facebook. Message us on our Facebook page. We want to help you get in the Breeders' Guide if you are breeding studs. If you've got a mare program that you're really proud of, if you've got a horse training program that you want to promote, this is the spot to do it. So you just heard from Steve Friskup. He handles horse sales all over the country. Now Jan Parker has managed her home Billings Livestock in Montana for 23 years with her late husband Bill. They built the business on the backs of great gentle gildings, pairing them with their business's adaptability and innovation. Jan, who is a cutter in her spare time, has a bird's eye view of the horse industry and the general buying public. 
and you know if you know me i love a woman's take on things and she's as much a powerhouse as anyone in the business so my conversation with jan was important to me and i think it's really valuable to add to this mix good morning chelsea hi jan how are you i'm good how are you i'm good it's snowing here in colorado is it snowing in montana are you in montana i am in montana and you know something it it was so crazy. It kind of, um, the dust of the snow, like it just dusted everything. Mm-hmm. And then the sun came out and it's like a Christmas card. Oh, how nice. I know. And it's not really even like, it didn't even really snow. It just frosted it. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Glad I know. It's like, it's good. Yeah. So I'm finally getting my butt to work today. So yeah, perfect <laughs> timing. <laughs> Wonderful. I wanted to talk to you for this podcast today because we're, we, we, and we've mentioned it just as, as we've been chatting though about the horse market and how wild it is right now. And, and I talked to Friskip a little bit ago, so I've, I've got his, you know, his angle and, and I know what do you think has has driven the surge in the horse market right now? Uh, Fewer numbers. Mm -hmm. As a direct result of the closure of U.S. domestic processing in 2007, Chelsea, I cannot tell you the numbers of broodmares, horse programs Mm -hmm. that we sold through Billings Livestock when horses were worth very, very little because there was no bottom on them. People who would have 10 or 20 or 30 broodmares and one or two studs that raised horses, their cattle were worth more. That ground was worth more to run cattle on uh, when the horse market bottomed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that clashed with the recession. I mean, there's a whole government accountability study done on it that Congress ordered that talks about it. It talks about what happened there and why the horse market crashed mm-hmm. in like 2009, 10, and 11, and then it's clawed its way out. So the short of that whole long explanation yeah. is this. We don't have the numbers we once had. Mm-hmm. There are not the numbers out there. Um, I believe, too, that with social media and more opportunities, people have more opportunities to be better horse hands and want better bread, better broke, mm-hmm. just all around better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think breeders are starting to catch up? Are, are breeders, are, are, peop, are people in their backyards having colts, mares and colts? Like what do you think is happening on the breeding side of it to catch the market up? I don't know. You, I don't know that we'll ever catch it up because mm-hmm. – I mean, I can name you five horse sales that used to exist in Montana that were production sales that are no longer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're pedigrees that that we had, that I would see come through Billings, and now I just see them from afar. I mean, they'll be on the third line of a pedigree mm-hmm. because they've not had those production sales for 10 years, 12 years, 13 mm-hmm. years. I mean, just think about that. That's a lot of horses that aren't in the system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, a lot less average. Probably there's a lot less average. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants the one. I mean, you want the one. Mm-hmm. I cut. I want the one that I'm competitive on. I want the one that'll let me win. Um same, I'm sure, with the ropers and the barrel racers, and it doesn't matter even if you want a pony. 
Mm-hmm. They are so selective on their ponies. Yeah. I mean, you want a good pony for your kid. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and you said you want the one. Were you the one that bought the one for a million dollars at the NCHA for charity, Jan? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But I mean, just like that. I mean, it's just phenomenal. But I also think that people have caught on. You know, I remember before we ever took over the horse sale and we traded, I used to take pictures and I would do an ad and put it in an ag publication that said, he sells. Mm-hmm. June 27th, Northern National Invitational Gelding Sale, Mm -hmm. and push, push, push. Well, now I think that a lot of people are, I mean, with social media, with their groups, with different um, disciplines, are able to market on their own and reach more people with what they have to sell, which gives it more energy, and Mm -hmm. away you go. Yeah. Yeah. Now you said you just you gave a gelding example, but that one that sold for a million was a mare. Where are mares fitting into your into the horse sale now? Are they finding some footing? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, they'll mm-hmm. find footing. Um, geldings still are what brought me to the party. Um, we'll sell mares, but not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think like my trade area. You know, um, the North, the Midwest, the West. If you have a mare, you probably got to have one that you showed, that you rode, that your daughter rode, that Mm -hmm. your grandkids had. And that's the one you want to go breed to hashtags or that's the Mm -hmm. one you want to go breed to a sixth stallion or that's the one you want to breed to dash to fame. You know, like that's that's what I see more of. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. And how have all the incentive programs that are going on, you know, particularly in the barrel horse market, but they're also lead, trickling into breakaway and team roping, how are those incentive programs affecting things? Oh, I think that's absolutely an addition to marketing your horse. If you have a horse for sale and it's eligible for that, uh, pay them up, keep them up, have them in it. I mean, that's just one more way mm-hmm. to add value to your product. And are you... Do you think with 2021 there, there'll be a change in uh, in tax policy? There's going to be some changes coming up. We don't even we can't even imagine what kind of changes could happen in 2021 um, as COVID hopefully slows down. Do you think it'll stay as strong? Are people staying hooked in the horse industry? Even when it was at its bottom back in 2010, 2011, 2009. The good horses still brought money. I mean, like, we we are everything to everybody at Billings. Like, mm-hmm. like we don't sell straight cutters, and we don't sell straight rope horses, and we don't sell straight barrel horses. We are everything. I mean, we may have a Frenchman's guy and then a great rope horse that is poison. Mm-hmm. And you saw that out there in the preview. And I might have the cutest apple pony that's going to bring 12000 bucks because 10 grandmas came and got in a fight over it. <laughs> you know, and... Um, I mean, we are all things to everybody, but I see the top end continuing to be strong because it was strong back when the market took its little head dive. Mm -hmm. And I think that this past year, um, I've said this, like, this is my little slogan for the year. I mean, with no horse sales for a couple months, and then we came up with our timed online 
which was a cattle program that they have here at Billings Livestock through Northern Livestock Video. And we went to a timed online horse sale. Mm-hmm. And we had four of those before we could open, you know, our doors and have live sales again. Those were incredibly successful with good horses, with good consigners, with good video, good pictures, and people feeling like they could buy a horse. If you would have asked me one year ago, right now, John Parker, what about the internet at Billings Livestock? I just said, no way, Jose, no way, Chelsea, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we're not doing it. And and I have to say, it has been such a bonus and such uh, a positive for both our buyers and our sellers. So when we came live in June, we added a special session through the, the regular horse sale that we just turned the internet on. Our consigners had to choose to be in that part so they had to have a horse that they felt qualified to Mm -hmm. get sent to North Carolina or to get to sent blindly out of here um but I've been so floored by the number of horses in that session and by the volume of buyers that register to be a part of it um it's just amazing Mm -hmm. so I say that is the silver lining Silver is my new favorite color because 12 months ago, I would have said that black was my favorite color. It is not silver. Now, you can tell me you don't want to answer this question and you don't want to talk about it. But with, with, online, with the online component and, and even in general, how often do you have buyers come back angry or say this, this is, horse was misrepresented? Or how often do you have to deal with that kind of stuff? Well, I think that needs to be out there. I really think that needs to be out there because just like we talked earlier, and I know that wasn't part of the podcast, mm-hmm. but I've done this for 23 years. 23 mm-hmm. years. I've done it every single month. Mm-hmm. You know who you, as far as a consigner goes, that you can put on there and you can run with it. Mm-hmm. That their word's golden, that they're going to fix any kind of problem. And that is something that has been verbally said between me and my consigners. If that horse gets to Pennsylvania and that guy doesn't like how he breathes, you're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to pull out every stop to do you a good job. I need you to do a good job on my end. And you know what? In all those sales, there were six of them. There have been six of them. Four when we didn't have sales. And then I had one in September. And I just had one in December. Mm-hmm. I've had three issues out of six sales. Mm-hmm. So that's, That have been fixed. Yeah. That, that have been fixed. And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of it is, like one of them is... Um, no fault of my consigner. He said the horse was 17 hands. The lady gets the horse and gets it delivered. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't realize that 17 hands. <laughs> and I mean, the consigner was good about it. And he's like, okay, it's not going to work. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, it's not going to work. And she realized that it was her and that consigner was good and went mm-hmm. on and away we went, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, really that's her fault. She didn't know 17 hands, mm-hmm. but I got to say, like, it's, it's been good. It's been surprisingly better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing that I think, and this is another one of my little slogans, is I say one person's good is not another person's good. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, those are the different levels. I mean, uh, a number nine healer definitely thinks good is way different than a number two. Yep. And an NFR header definitely thinks 
his head horse, his good is way different than the guy that goes to a Friday night jackpot. And there's nothing wrong with any part of it. I'm just saying mm -hmm. one person's good is not another person's good. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And so you have to find that level of good. And there's no way to kind of level that out because there is not in the heat of it a day goes by that I don't have someone say to me, Jen, it's the best horse I've ever ridden. Man, it's the best horse I've ever ridden. And I see it out in my preview, and I think, mm -hmm. oh, don't make me ride him. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that's what I mean. It's just different levels of good. And what I used to think was good, that horse in the picture of the he sells at the Northern National Gelding Sale, um, back in the day, that was as good as I'd thrown a leg over. Mm -hmm. Well, everything is progressed. Everything has changed. Just like I said about the horsemanship, we've all progressed with our horsemanship because there's so many more avenues to do it with now. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to watch podcasts, you want to watch videos at home, you want to sign up to get coached from afar, you can still get all that. Yeah. I mean, and you couldn't back then. Mm -hmm. you, had, you had to drive to the clinic. You had to drive to the cutting clinic. You had to drive to the rope horse clinic. Mm hmm what advice do you have for somebody who wants to bring a rope horse to sell at Billings? And this this sucker might be the best one they've got. What advice? And, and they're counting on making some money at Billings. What advice do you have for consigners? Oh, my goodness. I have a little list. <laughs> one, you have that horse looking as good as you can have him looking that day. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you have to have the hair slick. They need to have weight on them. They need to be fit. They need to look good. Don't do their feet the day before the horse sale so that when they get here and you're going across the gravel parking lot, he's ouchie. Have those feet done two weeks out so mm -hmm. that you're good right there. Don't clip a bridle path. Don't hack them up. Don't whack them up. Just bring them. Have them game on. Go show your horse, but don't do more than your horse is capable of. Mm -hmm. So at our rope horse sales, we rope every month, every horse sale. But in April and September, we have jackpots with them. It's pick one, draw two, go twice, which equates to six runs and a finals. Mm -hmm. If you don't think your horse can stand the six runs, don't enter the jackpot. Mm -hmm. Just... Just go preview them at the, at the uh, preview for the rope horses. Mm -hmm. But, like, those are wise decisions, you know. And people think, oh, no, it's a rope and i got to enter. i got to enter. Can I enter heading on mm -hmm. heading six runs and healing six <laughs> runs? Are you kidding? And you want me to call you on Monday and say this sucker is sore? Mm -hmm. So, like, I think you have to have – I think you have to have um, – reasonable expectations and sit down and really plan on your marketing get your video start now if you want to come to the april rope horse sale grab the video wherever you're going for your for your new year's roping get some runs there get some runs two weeks later um put together a really nice video and then help me help you don't do it in a ball cap. Don't do it in shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> I mean, look professional. Be the part. And, you know, I can help you. Mm -hmm. Use the tools in the toolbox that are there. Yeah. And, and what would you say yep. to somebody that wants to come to the sale? Um, and, buy, like, you know, I, I have a part of this podcast with Trevor. And he's talking about how expensive prospects are getting for him. What advice do you have mm -hmm. for somebody that wants to come get a deal at the sale? 
that wants to come get a deal at a sale? Yeah, are there oh, That any? happens every single horse sale because people don't do just what I talked about. Mm-hmm. That's why coming to the horse sale beats buying them online. Yeah. Because if you come to the horse sale and you come to Billings and you see at my average horse sale, 250 head in mm-hmm. the catalog, okay? Between 200 and 300 head in the catalog. So many people, maybe not so many, people do not have them fit. They don't have them ready. They are underweight. They shot them on Friday. You can tell that's what that is. And and those horses are not going to bring premium because they're here. Here's another one of my little deals. Mm-hmm. I cannot get first class results if you don't bring me a first-class product that's ready to go, mm-hmm. which means there's second-class products and third-class products and fourth-class products, and you can go home and rehab them and bring them back looking good or bring mm-hmm. them back and have them be your super horse or your magic. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you can make magic out of those. Mm-hmm. Just put another 100 pounds on them. Mm-hmm. Take them home, ride them, get them fit, get them in condition, mm-hmm. get them to quit hopping in the box. You know, maybe you have a, a slower steers, ways to do things, you know? Mm-hmm. What's the and magic age ra- What's the magic age range for you right now as far as if somebody's bringing a rope horse to the sale, how old, what is the best age to bring the best money? It uh, depends on whose hands it's been in, probably. Gotcha. I mean, it's going to depend. If somebody's really hunting a high school horse, it's going to get into the high school finals for the next four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably not going to be in the market for a six-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, that you want tried and true. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing about, like, you're going to see that. You're going to see a real nice prospect. The guy will go run maybe two steers on him, and you can see that's a nice horse. He's five years old, and he's good. You're also going to see a horse that's six that they've hauled on the heel side, won some money on, blah, 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 that you can step up and go. I, I don't know because, again, it's one person's good and not another person's good. Someone mm-hmm. might be looking for a good prospect and somebody might want a high school horse. Somebody might want a poison breakaway horse mm-hmm. with all that that's going on. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It just it's, it, it's up to you what you want. Now, just sift through them, you know. Very good. Well, yeah, Miss Jan, thank you so much for your time. What, You're what, so welcome. Tell, hey, yeah, I'll give you give you a chance. What uh, What are the road horse sales that people can look forward to in, in Billings? What are the big ones if if they're in the market? Okay, February is always good. It, mm-hmm. it, it's not a road horse sale, but it's our sons and daughters sale. A lot of black type pedigrees. A lot of horses that people gathered up last summer and have ridden through the fall and ridden through the winter that are headed to our February 26, 27, 28 horse sale here at Billings. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's 60 above or 20 below. That is a good, good sale. Plus, we will also have our showcase internet session of that, too, so people can buy them at home. Do your research once we get them up on, online, and mm-hmm. you can buy them online. There you go. So, that's February. March is an outfitter sale. A lot of drafts, draft crosses, teams, mules. Um, that that's a big one. Um, April. That is our spring rope horse special, and we will have that jackpot I talked about. Mm-hmm. And then September is our fall rope horse sale. 
on. That has also been in conjunction with the Wrangler Finals up here. So a big, big week of roping Mm -hmm. in September in Billings, Montana. So kind of get that on your radar, I guess, for our horse sale and then the Wrangler Finals. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, ma'am. I so appreciate it. I love getting to visit with you, Jan. Oh, Chelsea, thank you. It's so fun because you like what you do and you can tell, like, I just get all hopped up. And anybody that wants to market their horse, hey, my cell number, call me. Let's talk about it. I'd love to have, I'd love to do it. Okay, I'm going to wrap up this marathon episode with Mark Smith, the father of Clay, Jake, and Britt Smith. He's selling horses week in and week out, and he's got a feel for the trends of the industry like few others do. So enjoy this Oklahoman's take on the core of the market, and then you can take a break from all of this research before we head into our next episode, which explores a little bit more about breeding that drops January 21st. Hey, Mark, it's Chelsea with the Team Roping Journal. How are you? I'm good. How's Chelsea? I'm pretty good. What are you up to? Just getting her started. We're getting around a little late. I guess so. Was it a wild night? I had to go get Jake at the airport last night. He flew in from visiting his kinfolks. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, California. Oh, California. I didn't realize they were from California. <gasps> her uncle won the Bob last year today. And her dad, her granddad is 83. Jake said he wrote 20 steers while he was out there. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's cool. They, wrote, they love roping, too. But, hey, um... I'm doing a podcast on uh, the horse market and and how it is right now, and so I've talked to lots of lots of folks, but I haven't really talked to any true and, and don't take this the wrong way to, to any true traders. Um, and I, I wanted to visit with you about about your year in 2020 and what you see going forward. Okay. Is that good? You told me it was a great year for you all. What was what was going on that people were buying horses, and what kind of horses were they buying from you? Well, I think it's simply the fact that it, there's just getting to be fewer and fewer kids that are interested in riding a horse. I mean, it's just kind of getting few and far between. Mm-hmm. And, and it's turning it, and, and I don't take it the bad way, but Open has got expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the cowboy kids can't afford it, and, and I guess they're just getting to be fewer and fewer cowboys. But, but you know, when you when you get a horse, used to you can see somebody riding a horse, using it a little bit, and you say, "How much for your horse?" They'd sell it. But now, they don't, if they've got a good one, they're not going to sell it. Mm-hmm. And there's getting to be. The workings pay so good that, you know, they don't mind giving a lot of money. But if, if this, you know, if rodeo was to stop, you could buy Clay's money. Which, yes, you could buy one like that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, you couldn't buy one that good. But all I'm saying is, is there'd be more, there'd be more horses made if, if there's more people riding, and they're just getting more, there's not very many people riding. Mm-hmm. Used to, well, we live here, everybody around built their own horses. We, we just went up 
on our album, and, and I can't believe, I still think we'd make money at 500 a month, because we, we like it. Mm-hmm. We're crazy people. We, we like horses. Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing, I've got a four-year degree I've never used. The only thing I learned in college is do what you like to do, and if you make you make living doing what you like to do, well, you'll be successful. And that's, that's kind of what we've done. Mm-hmm. Just, I just can't believe it. Yeah. Now, what is the what is the price range of the average horse that you sold last year? Well, that's gonna. I call Stephenville in Arizona. That's Fairy Town. Yeah, I've sold five or six horses to Clay for eighty five hundred to twelve five. He has in two weeks and sells them for twenty five thousand. Mm hmm. Kind of, I'm off the beaten path. It still amazes me. I, I never will forget. I was at Allen Box and Britt lost his naval cord that week. That was, he was 19. And I remember Trevor Brazil bought the yellow horse and gave 100000 for it. For, mm-hmm. I think that guy's name was Richard E. Gearing. Yep. That was the first high horse I ever owned. I about seen him and I heard 100000 Well, now, it ain't nothing to say 50000 Mm-hmm. But when I tell everybody, a horse ain't born 50000 It don't matter. I'm buddies with the guy that's over the cloning, and he loves me to argue with him about, is it genetics or is it the training? If Scamper had never been using that feed light, would he have been any good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says his genetics are not, you know, they clone that Scamper. Or, I don't know. Mm-hmm. All I know is, is with all this pandemic deal and the football and the basketball and the baseball, which kind of drove people back, hey, we still go out and ride a horse. Mm-hmm. I got a guy hired here that I call Cowboys Minions. He don't know nothing about a horse other than he ain't scared. And he'll get it from point A to point B. He don't know how to make it turn around or nothing, but he will just do everything on a horse. Well, he'll get it kind of rough knocked off of him, and then I'll put these bulls on, and they'll start putting a hand on. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's it's just nobody, I, I worry sometimes that is there still kid, normal kids peeing open? It's almost like it's just rich kids peeing open. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if they know, I don't know if they know how to make a horse. Yeah. And that's why I'm so proud. And, and I don't know how it worked. I don't know how Jake and Clay and Brick have so far, and I'm not talking about the rope, and that's, that's real apparent, but in their horsemanship, mm-hmm. I just let them go. And they have, I mean, I heard Clay talking about how to get a horse moving forward when he catches and get him on his butt. Using the leg and doing like, <laughs> dang, that's a world champ. He, he sounded like a world champ. That's my kid. <laughs> I didn't even know what he's talking about. He was so far over my head. <laughs> there is constantly 50 gildings here at Smith Arena, and I never got to meet the Dennis Gates. What's his name, Don? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dennis Gates told me that I was, like his dad on the couch. They said used to he'd have hundreds of horses. Mm-hmm. And, and I get people over here and 
I let them drown and I, I just try to make a little bit. But the only way I think I've been successful is, is my goal was not, I don't, I haven't traded for a horse and, and you know, you kidding me about being a trader. <laughs> I haven't done any trading probably in 10 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. But I am constantly looking for a horse for these three boys. I, and, and, and then if it don't work, well, then I sell them. And my boys say, Dad, you talk too much. Because it's real hard to tell a team roper, hey, this one ain't fast. But if you educate them and show them, okay, I'm going to put you on a fast. Well, they're pulling and the horse is trying to run by. And they go, oh, that ain't what I'm on. Are you doing any horse sales? Like, are you buying, I'm sure you're still buying horses at sales. Is that true? No. No? I haven't been to a sale. I haven't been to a a sale in 10 years. Really? And look, let me take that back. We was going to watch Clay in a roping. Something got canceled. You'd know what it was. It might have been the roping. It was the at that Wildwood back in Stephenville. Mm-hmm. Remember mm-hmm. how they, they canceled it and they said, hey, we're going to have it the next day? Well, we went down there to watch it. We got halfway <coughs> down there. They said, no, I'm going to have it tomorrow. So we came back, didn't go. Well, it was a horse sale just north of Mount Vernon, Texas. And I stopped there. And I was so used to growing up at a sale barn. I had to stick my hand up. And my <laughs> boys have kidded me. Because I guess my sugar was low. <laughs> but I bought one. I thought it was seven and it was 17. <laughs> and, and this horse was so gentle and kind of pretty. But he had one, when you saddled him up, and I don't smoke, but you'd have smoke almost a package of cigarettes. And you start pulling the sinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never seen one in my life so since He'd lay down, fall, just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> my boy said, Dad, don't do that no more. <laughs> but, but now they've told me a lot of times, don't don't buy one. I, just like the gray that I told you, mm-hmm. I've got a gray that I'm probably going to have to make a decision this week. Mm-hmm. Clay says he's crippled, and Jake says he's just a horse. And I think it's going to be a great horse. <laughs> and, and I'm fixing them. We're going to rope. I see them watering the arena right now. Mm-hmm. We're going to actually have Christmas for Jake here in just a little bit because they've been gone. Mm-hmm. We're going to eat a little bit and we're going to go rope. And I'm going to tell Jake, try him one more time. And I'm going to call the boy and he's buying him up. But no, that's what's so cool about my deal. I charge 300 a month. Mm-hmm. Well, I get a lot of people bringing me horses. And if Chelsea comes here and picks one out, and I tell her, hey, Chelsea, this would cost 10000 mm-hmm. And you go, well, I'd give 8500 I said, well, let's call the guy to own it. I'm not trying to hide nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying, if I keep it, my goal is you know, finding Jake Clay and get a better horse, then I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell him that, oh, I'm going to make a little bit. I'm going to, you know, for $500. It's going to cost you five hundred dollars to get to look at this many buildings under a roof with some pretty good hands showing them to you, and twenty four seven any day you want to come. Mm-hmm. Buddy of mine, an old horse trader buddy in Michigan, told me that one time. He said, "Look, 
I'll tell you all about this horse, but he said, sometimes it ain't good news. But he said, when you go to the doctor to get you the arm x-ray, and an x-ray is so stupid, that's what he used to tell me. Because mm-hmm. he x-rays your arm, and he says it's broke. Well, it ain't fixed. He's still going to charge you. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you help somebody with a horse, they need to pay you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't understand that, you know, so mm-hmm. I put it right out there right there, you know. I'm not, that's, I don't care what you're selling for, you know, they bring you an $8,000 order. I don't care if you get 34. I said, no, that's how come it works. It's because everybody knows I'm going to make a little bit and I'm going I'm to move But now, if I show them to 10 people and everybody wants to get 5000 that means your horse is too high. You've got him overpriced. Yeah. I, it's just, we love what we're doing, and Jake and Clay say I work too cheap sometimes. <laughs> it's working. It's working. That's awesome, Mark. Thank you so much for letting me call and pick your brain all the time. I appreciate it. Have okay. a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, I've got to thank the Cinch Timed Event Championship. This year, they're running from Thursday, March 11th, to Saturday, March 13th. This event pays out a $100,000 check to the handiest cowboy across five events over five rounds. You'll get to see guys like Russell Cardoza, Clay Smith, Paul David, and Jess Tierney, Eric Rogers, Taylor Santos, and Daniel Green duke it out in the heading, healing, tie-down roping, steer wrestling, and steer roping. And you'll watch it all in the world-famous Lazy E Arena in Guthrie, Oklahoma. And this year, the Cinch Timed event is partnering with the BFI to host the Ultimate Roper Showdown. Less than 12 hours after crowning the timed event champs, you'll get to see the best ropers in the game go head-to-head over the BFI's long score and strong cattle at the event's new home in Guthrie, Oklahoma. You won't want to miss it, and get your tickets now at LazyETEC.com. We'll see you in Guthrie.